We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris and I am here alone for this episode. Unfortunately, Brother Brandon and Brother Rob could not be here. Uh, Of course, they have a lot of other things and that's one of the things about being a pastor. So you got three pastors on this podcast and we constantly stay busy and that's also one of the reasons why we have three pastors on this podcast so that way no matter what when one of us can't be there or two of us can't be there there's always one that can show up and provide some biblical uh, teachings, some understanding of the world events that are going on from a biblical perspective. So just be in prayer for Brother Brandon and Brother Rob as they have just been really busy this week. But I'm glad that I can be here and share with you the Word of God. And so as we look at the Word of God, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1 and read verse 9 through 18. And we're going to look at the preeminence of Christ. And this really goes in with our theme of living faithfully for Jesus 168 hours of every week. Because as we look at the preeminence of Christ, the only way we can live 168 hours a week for Christ is understanding that he is superior, that his will comes first, that we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Not that Christ needs to deny himself, take up a cross, and follow us, but we follow him. And that's what it means to look and understand the preeminence of Christ, to allow Christ to be superior because he is superior. But overall, when it comes to any type of function, we have leaders and we have leaders for a reason. You don't let a high school student lead a college level course because they don't have the necessary experience or wisdom to do so. And in spiritual matters, this is true as well. Now, I'm not going to talk to you about pastors, youth pastors, deacons, and anyone of that nature that you would consider a leader in your church, because we do have those leaders for a reason, and there are many different passages we can read to talk about the leadership that God has placed many people in. But in the spiritual matters of the church, we have a leader that is superior to all leaders. And that's the one we're meeting for at all points. That's the reason you are listening to this podcast right now, that Jesus Christ is your leader, that Jesus Christ is our leader. As his church, we submit to his will and his will alone. And we must follow his wisdom and his will to succeed in the great call that he has given us in that great commission to go out therefore unto all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we were to do that by our own means, by our own strength, by our own knowledge, we would not be able to fulfill the great commission. So it's imperative that we as Christians must submit to the superiority of Christ, that we must put his will 
before us. So as we look at Colossians 1, 9 through 18, let us consider the preeminence of Christ and start just simply by reading verse 9 through 12. And, and this is Paul writing, and he writes this, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And so Paul's greeting to the Colossians in verses 1 through 8 before this passage that we just read now, it's hopeful and it's good because Coloss was showing love to other Christians. They were preaching and living the true gospel. They were growing in their faith and uh, they were growing in love and the spirit was definitely evident in their lives as we see Paul write to them. But here's an important thing to note, that where there is progress for the case of Christ, you can be sure that the adversary will be there. And it's for this reason that Paul is praying for the Colossians, that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Because as a church can, can grow as they follow the will of God, as I said, be sure that the adversary will be there to make sure that it crumbles. And a church can crumble fast when they stop looking at the will of God and they start focusing not on God's will, but their own will. And I've been uh, blessed to serve along so many brothers and sisters in so many different congregations. And, and I've also seen horrible things happen in places where great things were happening before because there have been churches that I've seen that have followed the will of God that made sure that Christ was superior to everyone but then quickly it turns from following God's will to following their own will and, and those churches crumble fast. I remember uh, being with a church that, that was doing amazing things and I wasn't necessarily one of their leaders. I was just a, a servant. I was someone that helped out with leaders and, and did as I was called to do wherever I was called to do that. But this church was booming. This church was seeking the will of God. This church had outreach. This church had a, a youth program, a young adult program, a college program, a senior adult program. The pews were filled every Sunday. It had a really nice big building that God had blessed them with. And as as surely as they followed the will of God and they were blessed, as soon as people started taking their eyes off of God, they lost those blessings. The, the building remains, but the congregation has thinned out. It went from having one of the largest youth groups in the area to having hardly anybody in that youth group. In fact, uh, if, if I'm correct, the, the last time I checked in, there was just not a youth group 
at all and no longer are they doing senior adult trips but but what happened was there were several groups of people that that came into this church and they started bickering back and forth they didn't like the way that one person did one thing or another person did another thing and it quickly caused these divisions in the church and here's here's what happened when you look at the people that you are worshiping god with and start looking at some of the things they are presenting and some of the things that they are called to do and you don't like it, that's the wrong way to look at the situation. I don't like that, so I'm going to cause disruption. I don't like that, so I'm going to make a big fuss over this in the next business meeting. And unfortunately, no matter where you go, someone is going to do something you don't like. But instead of saying, I don't like that, what you need to do before you confront anything, before you start making a fuss, you need to pray. You need to seek the will of God and say, okay, God, I wouldn't do things this way, but I don't want to be the one to get in the way if this is where you are leading your church. That's something you should remember. Your church, capital Y, your church. I don't want to get in the way of how you are leading your church. So, Father, I wouldn't do it this way, but if this is the way that you want to do it, I need to concede that you are superior. I need to concede that you know what's best for your church, and I don't need to get in the way of that. And so when we lose focus of the will of God and we don't grow in our knowledge of his will and his love and his understanding, then what happens is a church can break apart quickly. And that's why it's important that we look at the preeminence of Christ. And here's a, a point to think about when we're talking about wisdom is that true wisdom comes when one puts away the worldly understanding and focuses on God's will rather than the world's. And that's what we have to do as Christians. Daily, we have to put away the world and focus on the will of God. Just as Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so there you got it. You don't need to be, you don't need to be uh, conformed to the world, but you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means looking towards God's understanding so that you can prove not what is your good will, but what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul also writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's something that we need to strive to do 168 hours of every week. Because as we grow in wisdom, what we're going to do is we're going to grow in the knowledge of God. And as we grow in the knowledge of God, we will do the things that we know pleases him. And I know my wife well. 
I know how she will react to most situations. And I have this knowledge of my wife because I spend time with her. And I can use this knowledge to avoid displeasing her by doing things that she likes. And when she's happy, I want you to know this, I'm happy. I'm happy when my wife is happy. So I typically do the things that please her. And even though I fail often, because I seek out her will and what pleases her, we have a good relationship. And in turn, this isn't a one-sided thing here. She, she seeks out what pleases me. And she does those things and she knows what pleases me because she spends time with me. She gets to know me. And, and that's how we need to treat our relationship with God because we can often sit back and say, well, I, I really don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what his will is for my life. And, and that's something we need to get out of because God doesn't make it a mystery of what he wants us to do exactly. It's not bad to say, God, what do you want me to do? But when it takes you 18 years to try and figure out what God wants you to do, there's a reason for that. God will make his will plain in your life when you seek it. And how do you seek the will of God? Well, it's the same way as seeking the will of your spouse or maybe a, a friend that you have or maybe your children. What's going to please them? You spend time with them. You you seek them out. You, you try to understand them. And how can we spend time with God? Well, prayer. That's one. That's the perfect Christian answer. How do you spend time with God? Prayer. How many relationships do you have that are good relationships that have no communication whatsoever? The answer to that is zero. You have no relationships in this world that are, are good without any communication because what makes a relationship good is clear and consistent communication and prayer is our communication to God. And not only that, there are other ways to spend time with God by going to church and being a part of his body. That's how we strengthen each other up. That's how we grow together. That's how we stand against this adversary that's going to attack us anytime we see progress for the case of Christ. And so you have a lot of people that say, well, I don't understand the will of God, but they haven't talked to God yet and they don't go to church. It's our, our call as Christians and our duty as Christians to be active in a local body. And I'm not talking about the definition of active that's presented by our Southern Baptist Convention today, and I'm not knocking them, but this is what they've presented, that an active member only comes one Sunday a month. And that that is completely unacceptable in any type of relationship here in this world. What if I were to just show up to the house once a month to be a husband? What if I were to just show up to the house once a month to be a dad? What if I were to show up to my friend's house once a month to talk to them? I wouldn't be a very good husband. I wouldn't be a very good dad. I wouldn't be a very good friend. But why do we not apply these same ideas for relationships that we do in this world to our relationship with God? 
And if you really want to know the will of God beyond prayer, beyond going to church, we also need to read his word. Well, God doesn't talk to me. I, I haven't heard him. Well, when I hear people say that, I know what's going on in their lives. They're not reading the Bible because every time I open up the word of God, God speaks to me through his word. And as we spend time with God through prayer, through church attendance, through Bible study, what we do is we learn more about his will. And we can then choose to follow his will and please him because we love him, or we can ignore his will and displease him. When we please him, that leads to what Paul is talking about with the Colossians right here. Strength, patience, joy, and thanksgiving. Just like it is with me and my wife, when I do the things that please her and she does the things that please me, it leads to strength in our relationship. It leads to patience. It leads to joy. It leads to us having a time of thanksgiving. But to displease God, it leads to the opposite. It leads to weakness. It leads to impatience. It leads to sadness and disappointment. And so... We find this in God's wisdom. We find strength in the wisdom of God. We find strength in our relationship with him, our healthy relationship of clear, prayerful communication, attending church, being a part of his body and reading his word. But outside of God's wisdom and outside of God's will, I can tell you this, we are weak. And that's where the enemy wants to get us. When he sees us, having a strong relationship with God, he's going to attack that relationship. He's going to convince us to focus on our will, our wisdom, our strengths, all of those things that, that are really just weak. And when we are at our weakest, that's when he strikes. And so when he can get us to focus on everything but the wisdom and the will of God, we are weak and we are susceptible to the enemy. And Understanding the will of God, it leads to this type of living, of, of following his word, praying to him, being a part of the church, uh, studying his word day in and day out, being ready in season and out of season because he has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And that's another important thing to understand because that's a way that the enemy attacks us he he attacks our qualifications because not one of us is really qualified by our own power by our own superiority and i quote that doing the air quotes with that to do the will of god and he'll remind us of that and, and it scares us and it takes our eyes off of Jesus, but when we understand that it's not about us being qualified, about us knowing what to do, but when we seek the will of the Father, that he qualifies us, that he is the one who has redeemed us, that he is the one who has given us freely, not because we've earned it, but given us freely eternal life in his son, then, then there is no limit to what God can use you to do for his church here in this world. Second Peter 3, 17 through 18, 
Peter warns us of this. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And so when things are going good, beware. When when things are strong, beware lest you be led away with the error of the wicked. We should constantly seek spiritual growth. We should constantly seek the will and the knowledge of God. We should constantly recall that Christ is above all, that he is preeminent, that he is superior. Now going on in verse 13 through 14, it says this to kind of bring things into perspective for us. He says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so why should we continue to seek out the will of God? Well, well, first it's because God delivered us out of the bondage of sin and from darkness, and he has redeemed us through the blood of his son, Jesus. And so we should seek his knowledge. We should seek his will. We should seek his wisdom because we couldn't do that. I promise you time and time again, we see through the Bible where people tried over and over and over to, to be qualified by their own means to do as many good works to see if they could, you know, have a a greater standing with God that maybe that they could stand before God one day and God would say, well, you did a little bit more good than you did bad. But that's not how he delivered us. That's not how he brought us out of the darkness. We didn't bring ourselves out of the darkness. He delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, of his love, and we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Your knowledge didn't get you there. Your strength didn't get you there. Your wisdom didn't get you there. Your blood, your sweat, your tears did not get you there. The blood of Jesus Christ got you there. I like what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, where it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. See, right there, the mystery of his will. He made it known to us. So his will is not a mystery to us when we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, but he is made his uh, mystery, his will known to us according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. And we go on verse 15 through 17 now. And this is a very important passage. It's one of my favorite passages to read. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. There's the mystery 
And there is the will of God presented to us right there. You see, so often we think that the, the will of God is, is, you know, we have to have some type of ministry in a certain type of way, but we can simplify it simply to that the will of God is that we are to have a relationship with the creator. And that's what he's saying right there. That's what he's trying to, to help us to understand. Here's this mystery. Here is this, this wisdom. Here is this knowledge that I am going to make known to you that all things were created through him and for him. And so when we look at Jesus, the person of Jesus, who we are looking at is our creator. Remember what John writes in John chapter one, verse one through three, it says in the beginning, not, not at the time of Jesus's birth, but in the beginning, before anything was made, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. And so when we want to see the face of God, who do we look to? We look to Jesus. The Pharisees had a lot of problems with this because they said that they worship God, but many times Jesus stood before them and said, well, you say you worship God, but I'm standing right here and you don't know me because me and my father, we are one. If you know the father, then you would know me, but you reject me, so you reject the father as well. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 3, the author writes this, God who at various times and in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds. And one thing that I know to be true is that if we want to give our all to something, we need to find purpose in it. When we don't feel like we have a purpose, when we don't feel like we have value, when we don't feel like there is meaning to something, we, we get a little lazy. We, we don't have enough encouragement to go forward. But when we go into a job, and that's that's a place that we like to find a lot of purpose in. When we go into our job and we find a little bit of purpose there, maybe we're good at our job and people notice that and, and they compliment us on our work ethic. They compliment us on a job well done. And we begin to find purpose in that. We begin to work harder. We begin to do more. We begin to spend more time at work. We we put everything else aside and focus on that. Or maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your friends. You find these purposes and you, you focus all of your energy where you find your purpose. But the difference between what you find in this world where you try and find purpose in this world and finding your purpose in Christ is that when you find purpose in the world, it may seem good for a little bit, but eventually there's going to be someone that comes along that is better than you at that job. Eventually, you're going to mess up and you're not going to please everyone and you are going to stop or, or you're not going to see as much purpose in, in what you're doing and you're going to slow down a little bit. But if we go back to the simple understanding of where we find our true purpose, where we find our true calling, it's simply that you were created to have a relationship with the creator. 
You see, that's that's what Paul writes to the Colossians. All things were created through him, and here's the part that you need to underline and for him. You are a creation of God. Our Savior created you, and he created you for a purpose, and the simple purpose of that is to have a relationship with him. So if you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for meaning, if you're looking for belonging, you're going to find it first and foremost by having a relationship with your creator. And the only way to stand on your two feet here in this world is to look at that verse 17 there, that he is before all things. And in him, another place to underline, all things consist. All things are sustained by our Savior. And so where we can't find sustainment in the world and all of the various purposes that we, we find in our works, in our families, in our friends, we find it in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Simply, you were created to have a relationship with the Creator. And the only way we can come to that understanding, first and foremost, is to put ourselves aside. To say, Christ is before us that he is our creator, that we were created to have a relationship with him, that he is before all things that are created, and in him all things that are created are sustained. And finally, in verse 18, it says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. And let me break down that word preeminence. We've said it a lot now, but preeminence is the fact of surpassing all others. Superiority. Never, I repeat, never forget that Jesus is the head of the church and superior in all matters. Never, and, and put, put the church part aside, look at your individual relationship with Christ. That is important as well because in your individual relationship with Christ, if he is superior, guess what? He, you are going to follow his will and you are going to end up leading in a church and this needs to be applied there as well. But Christ is superior in your life. He is the head of your life. He is the one who sustains your life and his will should be put before all other things in your life. If you want true happiness, if you want true peace, if you want joy, if you want to have a time of thanksgiving, you find it by recognizing the superiority of Christ in your life, in your family, and in your church. And I'll tell you this, this is another point to remember, because when a church forgets that Jesus is in charge, no matter how far they've come, no matter how big of a building they have built, no matter how many people they have brought in, when a church forgets that Jesus is in charge, it will crumble. That's what happens when you don't recognize the true leadership of the church. You are not God's gift to his church. Jesus is God's gift to the church. You are not the leader of the church. Jesus 
is the leader of the church. And simply in this understanding, when we go in and we work together under the banner of Christ, not under the banner of Chris, not under the banner of Brandon, not under the banner of Rob or any other pastor that you can think of, not under the banner of any other member of the church or any deacon or any other lay leader that you can think of in the church. But when we work together under the banner of Christ, we can fulfill his will. We will fulfill his will when we submit to his leadership. But when we choose to ignore his leadership, we choose to ignore his superiority in our lives and in our churches. That's when we crumble. And that is what's wrong with the church in the United States. We have forgotten who the head is. We have forgotten who is superior. So it is time for us as individuals. It is time for us as churches. It's time for us as a nation to remember that Christ is superior. And only when we remember that Christ is superior and we submit to his will rather than our will, will we see progress for the case of Christ. It doesn't look good in the world right now, but I don't lose hope. Here's why. Because I've seen in scripture the story of Elijah, one man, I am but one prophet of the Lord and the prophets of Baal are many and I'm the only prophet of the Lord still standing. But yet because he was willing to recognize the superiority of our father and submit to his will, even though he failed in many other ways, just as we do, because he was willing to make God superior in his life. God used him greatly to turn around the nation of Israel. God can use us greatly still to turn around our nation, the United States of America. God can use us greatly still to turn around all the nations of this world as we fulfill the great commission by submitting to his superiority to go out and baptize all people, all nations, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Christians today, if you want to follow Jesus 168 hours of every week, it starts first with admitting and submitting to the fact that he is superior, that he is above all things, and that in all things he has preeminence. And it's there that you will find strength. It's there that you will find peace. It's there that you will fall, find endurance to make it through when everything else is crumbling around you. And if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, you were created for a relationship with Jesus. If you want purpose, if you want meaning, it starts first with submitting to your creator and following him. So take what you will from this message. But I believe that there are bright times ahead of us when we submit to the superiority and the will and the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your wisdom, for your knowledge and your superiority that I don't have to have it all together, that, that this isn't based on my strength or anyone else's strength, but our perseverance, our strength, our knowledge, our wisdom comes from you. 
Father, I just want to pray for the listeners that are listening to this right now. That you give them the boldness to stand in your word. That you give them the strength to overcome the adversary that is going to hound them and try and bring them down as they seek out your will. And Father, help us to live for you for another 168 hours until we meet again. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.